Hello and welcome back to Africa Science Focus. This week we've got a special episode for you. We'll be diving into the results of the world's largest health attitude survey, which has turned up some interesting results for Sub-Saharan Africa. The survey of around 115,000 adults from 113 countries across the world has found that trust in science has increased globally over the past two years. I'm Michael Kaloki. Join me as I explore how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected Sub-Saharan Africa and trust in science. I took to the streets in rural northern Kenya and in the capital Nairobi to hear what people had to say about science and caught up with a researcher to find out how the survey results can be used to build back better after COVID-19. Okay, if you could please introduce yourself. I'm Rono and uh, I'm a resident of Nairobi. Yeah, my name is Evans Mlemburi. I come from Kakamega County. My name is Irene Nanyu. I'm the CEO of My Samburu Woman. It's a CBO, a community-based organization. Okay, could you kindly introduce yourself, sir? I'm called Sam from Nairobi, along Gong Road, Rescos. Okay, my name is Lenis. I'm a resident here in Nairobi. I am James Kamau from Nairobi. The Welcome Global Monitor is the world's largest survey of how people around the world think and feel about science and health. The Monitor is produced by the Welcome Trust, a global charitable foundation that supports science to solve the world's urgent health challenges and the analytics company Gallup. The first Global Monitor was published in 2018. The world has changed significantly since that survey. And the 2020 Global Monitor, which was published on Monday, reflects some of these changes. Across the world, people reported an increase in trust in both science and scientists, except that is in Sub-Saharan Africa and also in the Russia, Caucasus, Central Asia region, which both reported a drop in trust. Let's get some insights from the report about why this may have been the case. It says that the COVID-19 crisis tested governments and healthcare systems as they struggled to respond to the pandemic. The scientific community faced the urgent task of developing reliable diagnostics, treatments and vaccines. And communities and individuals were asked to help manage the threat by following the advice of governments and health authorities. As the report says, this coordination between scientists, healthcare officials and populations, or the lack of it, may have influenced the perceptions of science's role in combating diseases in ways that have implications for future outbreaks. Rono, would you say that you trust science a lot, some, not much, or not at all? About the concern of COVID, uh, science is uh, around uh, 80%. It impacted uh, uh, the fight of, uh, against COVID positively. I don't trust uh, in it uh, a lot, simply because, you know, even if they say that if you want to get into a PSV vehicle, you must be cured. You mean vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. me, I, am forget, I get the first one. I'm going for the second one. But I don't trust in it a lot. 
I would say I trust science a lot. I mean, it's because of the scientists that we are able to discover some of the life's questions. And in relation to COVID-19, it's thanks to them, to them that we have the COVID-19 vaccine, which has been a milestone. Into, they were able to discover the vaccine between in less than two years. James, would you say that you trust science a lot, not much or not at all? Uh, I trust science. Yeah, of course I trust science. How much do you trust scientists in this country? Okay, I think we have great scientists, but most of them have started abroad. And I think they just need a lot of support from the government for them to be able to be effective. And maybe even our scientists can be able to produce vaccines. We don't have to import vaccines from other parts of the world. Scientists in this country, they are below average. Yes, they have the papers, but they don't do the practical part of it. That is where they fail. But if they can do research the way the papers they have says, it could bring a lot of impact, especially in this fight against the COVID. How much do you trust the national government in this country? Our national government is actually it's almost zero. That is zero, zero. They are only talking, but they are not working. Actually, it's zero. So I don't trust the national government. Oh, I don't trust them so much because in Kenya, for example in Kenya, corruption is more than anything else. That's what is affecting most of the Kenyan citizens. These big people, they are mostly corrupt. That's why Kenya is going nowhere because of corruption. Yeah. I don't think there is any Kenya who trusts the government fully, but I think they are trying because, especially in the COVID-19 time, the response was good because immediately we had the first case, the government was able to, to put up measures that was able to curb the virus. If they did not do that, maybe our cases would have been much, much more. The pandemic has also had a major impact on personal lives. 80% of adults worldwide said that coronavirus has affected their lives to some extent. When it comes to the economic impact of the pandemic, this was felt most severely in low and middle income countries. There were seven countries where more than half of the people surveyed said they had lost their job or their business. The Philippines and Kenya reported the largest impacts with more than 60% of people in those countries reporting that they lost their source of income. This was followed by Zimbabwe, Zambia, Thailand, Peru and India. So in Kenya, about two-thirds of workers reported losing a job or business due to COVID-19. And the Global Monitor report notes that in lower-income countries with no social safety nets, losing your job can mean you face other problems like food insecurity. According to the survey, 72% of Kenyans said there had been times in 2020 when they had not had enough money to buy food for themselves or their families. Personally, I've got so many impacted by COVID. I lost some friends with COVID. Myself, I did not secure a job because I finished college during that COVID time. So that's why I just say, no, let me just start this CBOC with my community until we see things getting back to place. 
how were you impacted by COVID? Okay, they put all these curfew, what, lockdown. These affected most of the people in the country. So I lost my job. Working was a problem, getting money was a problem. We're just at home doing nothing. Yet the government, okay, they never even cared about us. People who lost their jobs, that's it. So we're just like that. COVID affected me very negatively. Has changed my lifestyle. My income has come down. Uh, actually, my life is actually has gone back. Not the way I, I should be progressing forward. Did you or someone you know lose their job? Yes, friends, my neighbors who lost their jobs. Some even sold their some of their items and they left the rural areas. So COVID has actually has. A, it has done a lot of damage to many lives and the economy actually. I lost my first job because I was employed in a school and I lost that job during the year of 2020 on March because I was told to go home without any payment. I stayed for that nine months without payment, but I hustled by selling cabbages and potatoes and I prayed to God. How were you impacted by COVID yourself? Did you or someone you know lose their job? Of course, I am victim. I lose my job because of COVID-19. So my company, they closed. So we are trying to find another job because of those outcome of COVID-19. Yeah. So what does this all mean for Sub-Saharan Africa's health systems? Well, I'm on my way to speak to Obed Ogega about this. Obed is a researcher at the African Academy of Sciences here in Nairobi. Hi, Obed. Hello, how are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, it's good to meet you. Thank you, Michael. So I, I wanted us to reflect a little bit on why communities you know have not trusted scientists and science as much as we wanted them to and and one of the issues that we have are about the historical issues or mistakes that have been made in the science itself in many ways in many years at least in africa and beyond because of our partnerships we have with the global north scientists were seen to operate in silos these days at the african academy of sciences for instance we insist on uh, transdisciplinarity in the research that we fund. So that if it's a best scientist working on um, drug discovery projects, they need to engage social scientists to lead on the translation side of things. So that then the science can be translated uh, in, in a language uh, that then resonates or that people can relate with. It's as simple as turning that publication to a blog, to a media article, to an interview, Yes, so there's that disconnect. But also, you know, the place of religion or, or, or the church making a stand in some of this. And remember, you know how much a religious community sub-Saharan Africa is. So you would then end up in a situation where if people don't see the religi religious leaders being in the forefront, championing for a vaccine, for example, there, there's likely to be more hesitance from the believers at least. Obed, is it... 
important that communities trust science and scientists? Absolutely. I, I honestly think so. Because first, you know, if not for anything, scientists are human beings in the first place. And science uh, is not necessarily different from how communities do their thing. You know, we are part of this society and it's important that science and, and scientists are trusted and are seen to be part of the community today. How can we build trust in science in sub-Saharan Africa? Well, first, we really need to embrace the space of science in, in our ways of doing things, right from uh, policy formulation and implementation. I see increasingly uh, policymakers demanding scientific evidence before some of the decisions or policy directions are taken. So that is a plus. But secondly, by governments leading, uh, you know, from the front line. In Kenya, for instance, when they were introducing the vaccines, we saw our president, together with the Minister for Interior and the Minister for Health, being the, among the first public officials to be vaccinated. So that gave quite some confidence to some people that would otherwise be hesitant to be vaccinated. But also there's a need for us as scientists to enhance our community and public engagement in the science that we do. So that before we go out there and, and, and try to do clinical trials on things that we have already designed without necessarily involving the communities. So if we find ways in which, even right from the scoping really, so that the community knows that these scientists are working on this particular issue and they participate, give their feedback, you know, they are seen to be part of the process. That way there is a better chance that when we produce these scientific products, there's, there's a chance, a higher chance of buy-in from, uh, from the communities. And that's all we've got time for this week. You can catch up on all Africa Science Focus episodes on your favorite podcast app or visit www. .scidev.net That's www.scidev.net Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis, written and edited by Fiona Broom, with reporting from me, Michael Kaloki. See you again next week. This episode of Africa Science Focus was funded by Welcome.